We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. The the dust has settled from Thanksgiving. Scott, how you doing? How was your weekend? Did it feel like forty days and not four days, like it did for me? Yeah, because we've been getting getting over uh, a little bit of a sickness in the in the Ryan oh, household. You, you too. Mm-hmm. I, probably along with everybody else who has kids, because it's uh, it's the gauntlet, you know, from the beginning of the school year into into Thanksgiving. You, you start getting, you know, all the sicknesses coming back and all the, the goop. I feel like it's just goop that just like enters your body and then doesn't leave until it gets warm again. But um, it was good Thanksgiving and uh, had my mother in in town visiting. So that was nice and um, got some some good uh, some good family time with her. And um, but other than that, man, yeah, stuff my face. You know what I what I have realized? I will say that's because we haven't talked since Thanksgiving, right? When you're when you're the actual person or people making the Thanksgiving dinner and doing the whole thing, actually eating the Thanksgiving dinner is really it misses the mark. It completely misses the I mark. I think you said this last year too because you cooked last I, year. I, too, I probably did. Yeah, I actually it's it's a new thing. Like I really don't like it because I sit down. I'm like I don't want to eat this anymore. One, I've been eating turkey for the past 
hour to hour, you know, once it came out. And two, I'm just, I'm tired. I just want to sit down and, and, and watch football. At what that time point. do you eat though? Because this is a big conversation. Like what, did we have this conversation? I'm having did I had this conversation with I someone. I don't know. What time do you eat Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, we ate this year, uh, four o'clock. That's the correct time. I think in the three to four o'clock hour is the correct time. People who do it at like 1230 in the afternoon, weird. And if you wait until it's like 630 at night, it's way too long. Way too you gotta long. You got to smack it in the middle of the afternoon. Everyone can leave wherever they are at like 6 p.m. and get home and pass out on the couch. I, I wouldn't mind bumping it up a little bit uh, because – but then you're – you know, because really starting at 12 o'clock or even uh, – yeah, 12 o'clock I'd say. No one's eating lunch, but I'm getting hungry. So then all of a sudden hors d'oeuvres start coming out. got past hors d'oeuvres, yeah. I know, but then, then, you know, then, then you're just eating the whole day. I would almost – prefer to uh to get two meals in so if i do it like at two o'clock that's like smack in the middle of the day then come okay. six o'clock i'm ready i'm ready to go again and maybe i'm happy at that point to eat the the thanksgiving because <laughs> the day two meal to me is much better, better than the day one meal it, it, it's not even close yeah and I, we did a friendsgiving two years ago and leanne was going to do a whole like big thanksgiving thing and i'm like let's just make the turkey the day before and serve sandwiches and everyone could not have been happier. We did like a little sandwich bar with basically what amounted to leftovers from the day before. And everyone enjoyed it 100% more than they would have if it was cooked that day. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a good one. And with a friend, Friendsgiving, I guess you can you can kind of alter the plan, right? You could go, go a little uh, off script. But here's another good thing. I talked to you guys last year. I remember this because I got one of those like way – expensive turkeys from the turkey farm oh yeah and i went back i went back i did it again of course um, you did. but this year they gave me a free turkey also because you spent like four hundred dollars no year before. just because like, this sucker deserves a free turkey i saw the car in front of me get a free turkey car behind me also got a free turkey so i guess they had what, some what extras. did you do oh they just were i froze it away. i froze it so uh, we will now have it uh around christmas time at some point so right. so yeah Good unit day. price went way down um so my quick aside before we get into the mountain of Yankees news is um, it was 8.30-ish Thanksgiving morning. We still had 68 hours to go before Harrison went back to daycare. And Leanne just on the couch stares at me and goes, I'm done. <laughs> it was 8.30 in the morning on Thanksgiving morning. And the entire four-day saga culminating culminated at 5 o'clock on Sunday and Harrison taking a pair of scissors to my wall in the living room and just cutting it up. Just having a day with a pair of scissors. On, on the wall? On the wall. Just hacking okay. at the wall. What does that even mean? Okay, so it's like a you, you got a drywall, plaster, or whatever the whatever It was the wall a corner. Is. It was a corner. Yeah. Um, and so like an outside corner, not like an inside corner. Okay. And he was just taking the scissors. They weren't big scissors. They're they were, we use them to like trim his hair. So they 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 have like a rounded edge. They're, but they're still scissors, so they can still. If cut they're cutting things. hair, they're pretty sharp. Right. And so he was just going up and down the corner of the wall, making slices like he was carving a turkey. Except he was carving up my living room wall. Okay. Well, here's the good thing. Was anybody hurt? <laughs> I was hurt emotionally. Was anybody hurt physically? Because <laughs> nope. when I was a kid, I stuck scissors in my eye because I was that kid. And at this, least you didn't do it into your into your sibling's eye. That's true. I did not. But the um, yeah. I mean, the wall you can uh, you can patch a wall. You can always fix a wall. You that I mean, honestly, I was mad because of course. But 
I've given up trying to like keep the house like, oh, don't break this. Don't do it's it's impossible. Like there's dents everywhere. There's holes everywhere. Now there's slices in my wall. It's it's I'm just going to, you know what they say in five years, I'm going to fix everything and sell the house. What they say is like the most cliche thing ever, but it's probably very true. Uh, you're going to miss those marks on the wall. You're going to miss those smudges on the window. You're going to miss yeah. the toys all over the goddamn it's right. place. It's probably true. Yeah. So yeah. embrace it. Embrace Just it. Just him uh, figuring things out. Can't cut a wall. Check. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, did do the, he, he, he knew he was wrong. Like he start, he's at that age now where it's like he does something wrong. He knows it. So yeah. He, but he does it anyway because you got to push the boundaries. Oh, yeah. yeah. 20 minutes later, just back to a, back to a self destroying something else. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, here's what we're going to do today. A couple of news items. Obviously I was joking about the mountain of news. Jack shit has happened in the past week, but it's I the, figured it's the it, beginning. It's the, it's the setup for the winter meeting. Calm before the storm. Happen. Yeah. yeah. I figured it would also be good to go through the off season moves. The Yankees have made in the Brian Cashman era in seasons following missing the playoffs because it hasn't happened a, a lot has only happened four times. And so I think it would be good to go through what they did those off seasons, what they, the season they were coming off of what they did in those off seasons and then how it transpired in the, in the season or two seasons following. Maybe it can help us understand what the Yankees are going to be doing going forward because there's a lot of reports. Oh, the Yankees are going to be in on one superstar. They're going to get two superstars. They're going to get four superstars. Blah, 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 blah. Just a lot of talk and quote-unquote reports. But it does seem like the smoke around Yoshinobu Yamamoto is – is he just Yoshi, by the way? Are we calling him Yoshi? Is he going by Yoshi? I thought it was Yamamoto, honestly. I go, I'm going last name. Okay, Yamamoto. But I thought in Japan, first names are the surnames. I don't know. What did we call Tanaka? Tanaka. But what do we call Ichiro? Ichiro. <laughs> that's his first name cool no precedent so i don't know maybe it's just go Should whatever we call he prefers. but like otani goes both ways right like you call him otani yeah because you could say shohei, shohei but yeah. it's mostly otani i, I don't know man I, I, just, I call people or, by their last names normally anyway yeah but but it does change like glaber okay. i don't call torres i call glaber <clears throat> all right so yamamoto obviously the top the top uh, free agent out of Japan officially posted uh, reports that the Yankees are saving number 18 for him. 18 is like the holy number in Japan. It's what aces wear. Obviously Tanaka wore it. Um, and no one on the Yankees since Ben Intendi for his half season wore number 18 and they have not handed out since. So, so basically didn't hand are, it out last year. Yes. People are speculating, <laughs> Oh, they're saving number 18 for Yamamoto. Okay, great. Like I'm sure. That's going to be a deal breaker. Like, oh, number 18 is not available. I'm not taking your $250 million check. Well, it wouldn't be that way because they would just they make would just, 18 available. Unless it was with an established player. Right. Well, there's no one there. So, yeah. It's okay. You know, A-Rod gets mad if they give out 13. Someone else is going to get mad if they give out 18. But if you're a Japanese ace, then it's just, you know, part of the uh, part of the allure, part of the uh, tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I know maybe you we guys- should look around to see who's got an eighteen within the within the uh, rumored teams that are going after him. If they have an eighteen available, yeah, because maybe there's eighteen locked up everywhere, and then we just got this massive uh, advantage that nobody even realizes. And it's not like if the last guy on the bench is wearing eighteen, it's got to be a starting player, maybe with an established contract or something. Yeah, I know you guys had Yamamoto in your offseason plans. 
And, and listen, if the Yankees sign Yamamoto, of course, I'm going to be excited. That's adding another awesome arm to the rotation. But that, like, does not sound like a broken record here, but are they missing the mark with targeting pitching? Like, adding Yamamoto to this team doesn't make this team that much better, in my opinion. You've got such a big uphill battle with fixing this offense, fixing these position players. I'm not saying don't sign Yamamoto, but that should not be the priority here. Well, I mean, I, you're talking about priorities. It's not like we're, we're hearing what's in the – first of all, with Yamamoto, there's a scheduled process essentially with what he's doing, right? Like I know. He's, he's taking calls. He's going to take visits. He's going to do a certain thing. It's not like he's around the corner. He's he is a little bit of a, a wooing process. So to say that the Yankees are prioritizing Yamamoto over other pieces is, I think, a little unfair because I don't think that's accurate. And and I'm also we talk, – we've talked about this – when you know at the towards the end of the season when we're starting to to look around and see what's available for next year just because the 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 um the pitching is not the biggest issue doesn't mean they shouldn't upgrade the pitching it also doesn't mean they shouldn't do both because they should and and you know when we're looking at these we're we're looking at our offseason plans and i'm sure you guys were influenced as well but you know kind of what we're looking at today understanding what the yankees have done in the past uh, after missing the playoffs, I think is relevant because there is a precedent that the Yankees uh, have have stayed on for multiple other uh, we'll strategies. Get into that. But yeah, there's, but, that's part of it. But the reason, so here's where I'm coming from. If we are to believe Hal Steinbrenner's comments where he's like $300 million is not needed to compete for a World Series, uh, and then you sign Yamamoto, we know that puts them close to closer to that number and limits their flexibility on top of Yamamoto to still stay under 300 million. Now, what we did in our plans was say, F it, we're not staying under 300 million because this team, maybe it's not needed for any team to go over 300 million, but right now this team, if the 2024 Yankees are going to compete for a world series, you have to go over $300 million. So I hear your, uh, your, your statement from, from Hal talking that you don't need to spend 300 plus million to compete. But then I, I raise you with his other comment saying 300 is not a a cap for us. 300 is not a limit because he also said that. So which one do you which one do you believe? I mean, I also the believe The one that leads him to spending less money. But I think he's That's not wrong. He is not wrong. You should not he's wrong. To spend 300 to you do should it not. on a but team blank slate. Blank slate. But this team needs it. Yeah, for sure, and and that's and that's why both of us attacked our our offseason plans as as we did. I mean, we got to similar places as far as what was what was uh, needed and what was added, just a little different route. So apparently, the Mets, Dodgers, and Giants all have number eighteen open. So everyone's been saving number eighteen for Yamamoto. It's, it's a conspiracy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So let's get into what the Yankees have done following the, the missed playoff years because I think it's a, it's a great segue and, and sort of sets the, sets the scene here. The f- so they missed the playoffs in 08, they missed the playoffs in 13, they missed the playoffs in 14, and then again in 16. I'm not going back all the way to the 90s because Brian Cashman was not the general manager, even if he was there as a assistant or whatever. Uh, he was not leading the baseball operations, and I just don't think it's applicable. The first one to talk about is obviously the 08-09 offseason. That's the one everyone points to. CC Sabathia, $161 million. AJ Burnett, $82.5 million. Mark Teixeira, $180 million. They also traded for Nick Swisher. Uh, traded away Wilson Benamit, Jeff Marquez, and Johnny Nunez to the White Sox. And this is sort of a fact I forgot about. Swisher was acquired in early November to be the first baseman. Yeah. And then later in that winter, I think it was after they had already signed Sabathia and Burnett, Cashman convinced the front office that uh, convinced Steinbrenner, we still need to share. We still, even though I just acquired Nick Swisher, we need to share. And then what that did was that pushed Nick Swisher to a, a sort of a uh, outfield first base utility role because they had Xavier Nady from the season prior who they acquired from Pittsburgh in, in 08. And Nady was a good player at that time. And I remember like thinking, do I want Nick Swisher or, or Nady starting? It's probably going to be a platoon. Then Nady went down with an injury. I, I forget when he went down with an injury. It was either in spring training or very early in the 09 season. And then Swisher was the starting outfielder because Nady went down and Swisher obviously had a great season and a, and a good little run with the Yankees. But the Yankees, it worked. Obviously, they won 103 games and they were World Series champs after signing the, the arguably definitely the two best players on the market. And then A.J. Burnett, I don't know exactly where he ranked at the time on the market, but you signed a number one and a number two starting pitcher. You signed a number three hitter uh, and, and you acquired who ended up being your starting right fielder in that in that season following the playoff miss, adding it to a team that still had a not in their prime, but still very, very good Jeter, A-Rod, Posada, Pettit, Mariano, and the rest of them. 
a young Cano. Cano hit like ninth on that team. <laughs> like Robinson Cano, who was hitting probably like 315 that season, hit eighth and ninth on that team. So it's interesting the fact that they when I forgot also that, that Swisher was originally signed to be that first that first baseman. <clears throat> acquired. They didn't sign him, they acquired. Acquired him. Okay. Um the difference. No, you're right, because it actually leads more into to what were our when Ilya and I were looking at our plan like that, the Brendan Donovan, at one point we wanted him to be that starting second baseman. And by by the end of our by the end of our conversations and and looking around and and you know looking at payroll and all these things, we we ended up deciding that, you know, we still need him, but but he doesn't need to be the the second baseman. And this is kind of like keep it Glaber there. That was one of the because we were trying to ship Glaber. We were tr- we were looking at everything to ship Glaber at one point to see what you could get. We tried and, we tried to and it's just the value just ended tough. up being there. But a guy like Donovan, who is similar to what we're talking about right now with Swisher, does have the ability to mold around. He doesn't need to be a starting player per se in a starting lineup on opening day to be a very effective player that contributes almost every single day to the New York Yankees because of the roster flexibility that is needed for, again, the the the, the plug that we have at DH in John Carlos Stanton. And, and like I've said in the past, you almost need to go into this coming season as if he doesn't exist, he will be there at DH. But if you prepare this team for him not being there, it gives you the ability and flexibility to, if he comes out of the gate and looks like the same dude and is hitting below the Mendoza line and striking out all the time, you can't play him. And you got to be prepared for that because that is a very real possibility. It may be the end. It's possible because a guy like that, as big as he is with the type of swing that he has, if he cannot catch up to a fastball and that just continues to be a problem as the season goes on and it'll probably be worse as the season goes on and as bumps and bruises happen, then you got to have a contingency plan that's not okay and that's not sitting in AAA or sitting on the you know waiver wire from that's some other team. That's not a replacement level player, which is what they feel, not even replacement level, like below replacement level players. You need, a, you need an everyday player to to be able to, to go in there and be an effective player. Because it's not just that Stanton could suck again. He could be hurt at any moment he could start the season on the il for all we know there's a lot of things and, that can and go the wrong other the other problem that stanton causes is because his name is giancarlo stanton and he's got a massive contract he automatically gets slotted into a middle of the order spot which is so stupid it's so stupid but you know it's true just because his name is giancarlo stanton he's hitting cleanup and then you look on the scoreboard and he's hitting 189 it's like what yeah no it's it's a <laughs> It's a black hole in the middle of a, a non-productive lineup. When we wonder why they don't score runs, you know, people are like, "Oh, RBIs don't matter." They kind of do matter to a point. Like it, it just it does tell part of the story about what's happening on the base path, uh, and and then what your production, what your sound quote, like Aaron Judge, what your quote production players are are able to do. And so, yes, it does tell a story. It it, it absolutely tells more of a macro story of what's happening with a with an offense. Well, so Aaron you got to prepare, and like Swisher, like for this one, they did that. They they went over and beyond for the for the position players, and that's not something you can always do on the pitching side. You can get really top heavy in pitching, and I think that's the most effective way to go. But it's very difficult to have pitching depth on the like within I the just starting said, rotation unless you have young guys with options. That 08 team still had a Rod Jeter. They had Cano, who was entering his prime. Okay, they didn't need. 
five position player. They needed one position player. They had a, a hole at first base because the Giambi era was over and Giambi couldn't even play first base by the end of his contract, but they had a hole at first base. And that's what they signed to share for. And that's what they acquired Nick Swisher for the Yankees. This current Yankees, they have holes in four definite, I think four spots in the starting lineup. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's one guy. It's not, it's not apples to apples where it's one person. There's multiple people, pieces that you need to go, but you could say there's two big additions that you need to bring in. Well, you better bring that third one in too, because that, and and that person better have some flexibility because you're going to need optionality throughout the season. Boone is going to need that. Old man, Brad Osmus is going to need that. Winston <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So you dropped that Instagram video of, was that, it was a yes network interview that Brad yeah, Osmus is doing? First of all, I did not even look at the comments until after you said that. <laughs> oh my God. They were so funny. The comments, I immediately went to the comments. So he, and I feel bad because if this is actually <laughs> the way that this man is aging, then, you know, it's just unfortunate, but yeah, it so looks like he, an age filter. Old it it looks like an age filter. His, the wrinkles are off the charts. And it's like, he's kind of, he's a handsome guy, right? Like yeah. Brad Osmus is a handsome guy. He's got a nice head of hair. Yeah. And it's like, man, those wrinkles, they made him age just like in dog years. In I don't know, dude. Seconds. I kind of think that like, maybe, I don't know how old, if he has kids or how old they are, but I feel like someone was just fucking with him and put the old man <laughs> yeah. before the call. <laughs> and, and he had <laughs> he no, please, like he whatever, had no idea. iPhone. Yeah. He had no, and no one, no one wanted to say anything. They're like, do we, is it, is it not? I don't know. These AI filters are very realistic looking, so you can't tell. And then uh, the comments on that video were just like, oh, man, the Yankees age people. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh my God. Uh, he, he should, uh, I don't know, he should embrace that, turn into a t-shirt or something. Just wear that as a, as a t-shirt at spring oh, I'm sure he loves, year. I'm sure he's really happy about it too. It's something he can completely control. Sucks. <laughs> getting uh, old sucks. Yeah. Well, getting old that fast especially sucks. He said that he never saw Boone make a move that seemed questionable to him. He, he said, Well, that's words. now I question him. Great. So he watched every single move Aaron Boone make, made? They just like, gave he, a highlight was, reel for, he was for in a, a minute he was and a half a of, his good, of his calls. Osmus was in a dugout uh, on teams the past five years. So he wasn't watching Aaron Boone day in and day out because I can point to dozens and dozens of questionable moves. I'm not even saying wrong. Just question. I question that move. Yeah. What kind of a comment is that anyway? Yeah. It's not like you're you're watching everything the guy's doing. Studying film on the manager and what the decisions that he made throughout the year. How do you even do that? Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the matter at hand here, which is – so so clearly the the moves in the 0809 offseason worked and they worked for a couple seasons. The Yankees were still at the top of the league through the 2012 season. They made the playoffs all those years. They went to the ALCS two times in those years. They never got back to the World Series after 2009 though. And then the the wheels fell off. The the retirement tours started, everyone aged. The Alex Rodriguez was kicking down Mike Francesa's door getting suspended for steroids. Derek Jeter had a broken ankle. It was it was ugly. The 2013 season, the Yankees won 85 games. It was Mariano and Pettit's final year. And then Cano also hit free agency. He left for Seattle. The Yankees offered him $175 million. He ended up signing in Seattle for $240-ish million. So big gap there. So what the Yankees did is they pivoted. They still spent a boatload of money. That was when Jay-Z disrespected the Yankees in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, right, it was the first would... time New Yorkers were upset with Jay Z because he was with Rock Nation. That was like one of their b- first big clients, I think. It was. It was, and yeah. then, and then, you know, you can say in hindsight that move worked out for the Yankees because of of the steroid stuff with Cano. I'll still but believe Cano, that they knew they smelled the smoke. They knew that there was smoke. They knew something was coming. But Cano was absolutely the best player on the team at that time, and absolutely the best player on the market at that time. And the Yankees let him walk. And instead, signed Brian McCann for eighty-five million dollars, Jacoby Ellsbury for one hundred and fifty-three million dollars. Which I don't care when that happened. I know it was a couple days before Cano was one thousand percent, in my opinion, a reaction to Cano not signing with the Yankees. And Carlos Beltran for three years and forty-five million. They offered Sinshu Chu one hundred forty million dollars. Didn't didn't happen because uh, where did Chu end up signing? Texas, Texas, Texas. Uh, Chu wanted to beat, or Boris wanted more money than Carl Crawford got the season before for Sinshu Chu. The Yankees then talk about greedy, man. You got Carl Crawford that contract, which was one of the worst contracts, and then you're like, let's beat that one. (laughs) This worked out for the team. Yeah, this is a this is a win for everybody. And so the Yankees pivoted, uh, ended up getting Beltron instead. So they were going to sign Sinshu Chu and Jacoby Ellsbury potentially that offseason. Uh, they signed Tanaka, of course, as well, $155 million. They brought in Brian Roberts to replace Robinson Cano. That, that's good. Let's go from the, the best second baseman Let's in word, baseball. Yeah, be careful with the word replace. To, uh, to a very old Brian Roberts in his yellow contacts. I was going to say he had the orange cheating contact so he could see the ball really clearly. And and it just was a disaster. Uh, it, it in a vacuum, these moves. It's like Brian McCann, good player. Carlos Beltran, still a useful player at that time. Jacoby Ellsbury, not a bad player at the time, but should have definitely been. definitely not worth that contract. Uh, they just spent so much money on on B level free agents. And the team didn't gel. They were not good. The rest of the team was old, had too many holes. You had like, uh, God, Andrew Jones out there, Vernon Wells out there. Remember like the the hodgepodge? Are that you the talking about? Was? You said they spent money on on B level free agents. You're you're talking about the Vernon Wells of the world, right? You're not calling Ellsbury and. Uh, no, I'm calling Ellsbury, Beltran, and McCann B level free agents because but the they A level free time A level free agent was Robinson Cano. Okay. Ellsbury was definitely an A-level free agent at the time. Obviously, but but he wasn't as good of a player. None of these guys were as good as players as Robinson Cano, and they played different positions, right? So you so it's hard. It's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But I remember thinking this at the time. I was going to say I remember saying this at the time, but unfortunately, we were not doing the podcast back then. But I do know we talked about this all the way in 2015. Maybe you wrote an article about it. I probably did write an article about it. If you if if you can still find BronxPinstripes.com articles, oh, you can. From, they come up pretty high in Google from actually. 2013, you can still find articles about this. Robinson Cano was unquestionably the Yankees' best player and definitely the best free agent player on the market. And instead, what the Yankees did was they got players who were lesser than. And a lot of times, when you take lesser than players, you're still paying a boatload of money for them. It doesn't work out for you. It didn't work out for the Yankees. And if this had been any other franchise, not any other, but most other franchises, you spend, what's that, $400 million in free agent contracts and only one of them work out? Tanaka definitely worked out. Beltron, they had to um, trade away. That was a, a, a 
no, not a massive contract. Oh, I, don't, I couldn't. I can't say that the Beltron deal didn't work. He out. was pretty mediocre for them. He had average seasons. Ellsbury was obviously a complete disaster. And Brian McCann had some okay seasons, but they ended up shipping him to Houston in the final year right. to make way for Gary Sanchez and also to offload a few extra bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so I, it's funny because I was listening to um, MLB radio on the on the way in here this morning. And uh, it was Steve Phillips and um, who's the guy that does ESPN, Eduardo. A- anyway, the, the um, they were talking about this exact conversation about when you're when you're a GM in a small market compared to a GM in a big market, the expectations and and like everything is different. You know, he, uh, Phillips was talking about his conversations with Billy Bean, and Billy Bean was like, "I I, I don't envy you because you have to go out and look at these these massive free agents. You're you're buying the guys who are <laughs> striking at the hottest." Yeah. Well, and Bean's like, I just got to find diamonds in the rough. And if I miss, it's, <laughs> and if they miss, it's, there's no cares? expectation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you're in a big market, you got to go out and, and find the best players and they have to work out. Otherwise there's big scrutiny. But to your point, the scrutiny was there, but it didn't do anything. There were no, no changes in, in a lot of other places, you know, especially three, four years later, when you're looking back at those contracts, once they're finished and, and nothing really has changed all that much. No, they got worse. You would the team, you would the think team that got worse. that person and that regime would be on the hook for you know the decisions oh, that they had yeah. made and and they just weren't. So in a lot of other big markets, you get the you get the axe at that point. You do. Oh yeah. Any and, other and, market, if you have an off season that disastrous as a GM, you're fired three years later. Yeah, it's 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 pretty close to when the the like you have a certain amount of time to fix it, you know one or two mistakes that happen. Within within the contract uh, time frame, and Cashman just couldn't do it, and we saw we we saw what's happening here. He's still in charge. He's still in charge of 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 the t- decisions that are being made, and in every other place, for the most part, that that person is is replaced with a with a new thought process. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Obviously, a key difference in the diff- between the 08-09 offseason and the 13-14 is that the 13-14 team around those free agent signings was not good, whereas the team around the 08-09 team was still good, still had Hall of Fame talent playing at, at top levels. And then in 13-14, like I said, it was, it was a hodgepodge roster. Somehow, they won 84 games, I think. Honestly, the talent level on that team was probably a below 500 record, but they did get to 84 wins, missed the playoffs. So they're coming off back to back missed seasons of playoffs in the 14 15 offseason. This was Jeter's final year. Completely different offseason. Tons of moves, 
but completely different in tone and what their team was trying to accomplish. They traded for Justin Wilson for uh, from Pittsburgh for Francisco Cervelli, so uh, a left-handed bullpen arm with team control. They traded for Didi Gregorius for Shane Green to, from uh, Arizona, trying to replace Derek Jeter. Now, this worked out tremendously, but I don't, I don't think the plan was Didi is going to turn into an everyday shortstop. I think it was like, ah, let's just do this to bide some time until we can maybe sign someone else at, at shortstop. Was Jorge Mateo still in the system at that point? Still in the system, he was. He was. Uh, he was the like he was top the, prospect in the system at that time. He was one of their top prospects. And and Eduardo Nunez, I know, was a was a guy that they had. He was already on the team. Nunez was on the team in like 2012, 13. No, I know, but he was the he was the guy that was supposed to be groomed behind him as Jeter was still there, and it just didn't work out. Uh, Nunez uh, could hit. He couldn't field. Nunez could hit a little bit, but yeah, nothing. Nunez was a decent offense. Not not, not a full time player. And then he left the Yankees and became a, became a better offensive player. Yeah. And his helmet was never on his head. Then they traded. You're going to love this one. They traded uh, for Nathan Avaldi, Domingo Herman, and Garrett Jones to Miami for Martin Prado and David Phelps. I mean, at the end, honestly, freaking steal. Great trade. Too great bad. Trade. <laughs> Too bad how, how those players worked out for the Yankees. But yeah, great trade. And I did like Martin Prado because he was like a pretty solid everyday player. He was an um, older guy at that point too. Uh, yeah, maybe. 34, um, 35? No, nah, I, would, I would say like 30. Okay. I think older, but let's look it up. Let's get on that. Traded for Johnny Barbado. Barbado. Uh, to Barbado uh, for Sean Kelly from the Padres traded for David Carpenter. Now this is interesting. David Carpenter and Chase and Shave. He was 30. I fucking nailed it for uh, Martin Prado. Uh, traded for uh, Manny Benuelos to Atlanta for David Carpenter and Chase and Shreve. And now I talked about this in the Brian Cashman history episode, but man, oh man, this offseason could have been a hell of a lot different if this blockbuster trade had gone down. So another trade that was being seriously discussed with the Braves was Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, Gary Sanchez, and Manny Banuelos, and Ian Clarkin. Literally every prospect. Top five prospects in the system to Atlanta for Jason Hayward, who had one more year of team control, Angelton Simmons, David Carpenter, who they ended up acquiring, BJ Upton, and Chris Johnson. Wow. Oh my God, it would have been such a, I mean, not to say that any of this, that would have been such a disaster. Could you imagine what the Braves look like today with that? Can you imagine how just, good? Just take, but just pull, pluck Aaron Judge out of but that. But can you imagine it. how good Gary Sanchez would have been if he <laughs> was, was mentored by the Braves? Yeah, probably. They do turn out <laughs> catchers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, and Aaron Judge still would have been Aaron Judge and maybe Luis Severino still would have had all those injury problems or not. I, I don't, I don't know. They re-signed uh, my boy Chase Headley, negative exit velocity himself, Mr. Chase Headley, to a four-year, $52 million contract, who they acquired at the, the deadline in 14. They well, that's honestly not a bad that's not a bad signing. They needed a third baseman and, and he was he was a still, fine third baseman and, and fine third baseman at the while time. he didn't have power, he 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 got on base. Then uh, Andrew Miller, four years, 36 million, and then a bunch of just guys. Steven Drew, who how many hours do you think we spent talking about Stephen Drew on the podcast back in 2015? 50? Way hours. Did we spend 50 hours talking about Stephen Drew? We talked about the fact that he was taking time away from Rob Snyder <laughs> and the ability to play second base. Because uh, he was 
the prospect at, at the time, which is just sad when you think back on it. <clears throat> um, yeah, way too much time talking about Stephen Drew. What he was a black, I hated him. <laughs> I hated Stephen Drew, and it had nothing to do with Stephen Drew. Dollars. It wasn't even Stephen Drew's fault. It's really <laughs> nothing personal. Playing. It was just the fact that he was there, the fact that he was brought in there, the fact that he was blocking the guy that I wanted to play. Do you know what's funny? I bet if we look at his numbers, we'd be like, "Yeah, that's like everybody on the Yankees right now." Yeah, yeah. Same with Ruffsteiner um, playing in the outfield in Boston, who actually like, actually turned out to be a decent role player. Okay, so Stephen Drew in 2015 with the Yankees. Okay, yeah, he was pretty bad. 201 batting average, 271 on base percentage, 77 OPS. 271 plus. That, on base percentage. That yeah, but that's that's like half of the Yankees. I know it's just, it, but that's the reality of what that is. Is it's upsetting. And then they signed also. And then they put Chris Rob Ruffin at third base. That poor bastard. They tried to put him at third base, and and do you and then he just you remember got like. Up. Two years ago, Rob Center was like, yeah, the Yankees kept trying to make me an infielder, whereas I'm an outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Capuano, Chris Young also signed. The Yankees in 2015, they definitely had a bit of a surprising season. They did make the playoffs, 87 wins. I think they were in first place at the trade deadline in that season and then completely fell flat down the stretch. They still limped into the playoffs, lost to the Astros in the wild card. <clears throat> it was at the Tanaka game that was like we knew if they if he gave up it gave up one run and yeah. then he gave up like a two run home run in the second inning. That's it. it. Can't score runs. Dallas Keuchel. Same problem. Like nothing. Um, the Yankees won 87 games that year. Teixeira had a bit of a renaissance. I well, actually, Arod had the renaissance. The the, the Arodisons that that year. And when then, he actually but, fell into the, the decent graces of uh, good graces, I'd say of Yankees fans because I didn't fall because for he it. seemed he I did seemed not like fall a, for it. But he seemed like a human being, like he nah. and he was like mentoring some young kids. Nah. He was having fun. He had like an insane amount of game winning hits that year. Like actually, very clutch that season for the Yankees. I remember a game in Minnesota. He hit three home runs, and like the Yankees were down. Like every home run, like tied the game for the Yankees. Like it was a, he had a good year. That was yeah. fun. That was the most fun I've ever had with Alex Rodriguez in my entire life. Was 2015, and uh, maybe yeah. 09 playoffs, but 09 playoffs were were pretty good. Yeah, but like. That was, I can say, oh, Jeter was still there and, and Mariano and CC, but like, no, 15 A-Rod. That was a fun A-Rod. Okay, so that uh, that offseason, they, they they went in, they made the playoffs in 15, but then they, they reverted back in 16, missed the postseason that year, 84 wins. A-Rod and Teixeira, that was their final year. A-Rod in August did that retirement ceremony the next day. Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin come up. Mark Teixeira retired at the end of that year as well. And then that offseason, the Yankees traded for Albert Abreu and Jorge Guzman. Well, hold on. Before to- you even get to the offseason, though, like that, 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 there was a different sentiment going into that offseason because of the success that we saw from the kids. Like the young and well, dumb. Well, it was really rem- Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez it was, Sanchez, was but, all but, world. But it was, a, it was a young and dumb phase where all of a sudden, like they, they shouldn't have been competing, but they were competing. Uh, and, and they started making a run. And yes, Gary Sanchez was. You know the numbers were Babe Ruth plus uh, at the in the last month in, the, in September he had some stupid months. So, okay, but there but was a different didn't... feeling, a different feeling going into that off season, um, understanding that because I think at that point when 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 A Rod left, like everybody was ready for that to happen too. Like okay, changing of the guard. Oh yeah, it was a pretty he was clean, bad in 2016, he and it was a good. clean changing of the guard. Literally one day leaves, next day Judge walks in, hits home runs, and. Um, and it, it was just a it was just very clear what was going on. And then there was success. So 
you know, there was a lot of excitement. We but, were extremely excited going into that 17th season. And then when they go around uh, and they add nah, some of I it. think you're having a little bit of revisionist history. We were definitely – we definitely enjoyed what they did in the 16 deadline. They acquired all those prospects and they played pretty good with young players in the second half of the season even though they were never really in playoff contention. But I don't think we truly expected going into the 17th season for, for them to be a playoff team. I think we're like, yeah, maybe they could be a wild card team if everything goes right. But 18, I don't think 18 we, was the circled year. There's no doubt about that. It. Exactly. Not, 18 was the circled year because of Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier and at the time Justice Sheffield and even Aaron Judge. We were like, what is Aaron Judge going to be? He struck out 50% of the time and then got hurt. Like he might be nothing. And he hit eight, eighth on opening day 2017. Okay. A month later, he was the best player in baseball, but we didn't know that. Yeah, but here's what you're missing. I, I specifically remember, you go back to listen to any of those podcasts, I, I promise you there was a lot of excitement from us because it was different. It was the kid, it was kids coming up. <laughs> I'll give it, you that. It was, <laughs> it was, it was different. different. They they actually identified, it was, a, it was also, not only did we see um, young players competing, but we saw a different mentality from the front office for the first time ever. They, they sold at the deadline, but what they did is they didn't sell to completely re, regroup and like tank. They retooled at the same time with young guys that had high, like when we saw, when, when Clint Frazier came over in that deal, we were very excited because of the prospect status of him. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of allure, fastest hands east of the Mississippi. Like this, this, this guy was going to be the guy. So there was a lot of excitement going into 17. And then what they did is they started building around it. And what it felt like at the time, and I don't, I don't, this is not revisionist history. I remember feeling this in the moment. I remember thinking that, okay, they have a young nucleus of players that can be very good. And obviously Gary Sanchez peaked or, you know, when it was starting his peak, which would then pretty quickly, uh, swiftly decline. But it felt like they were building a, a, a nucleus, a, a quote core four, and then they were going to assemble veteran players around them, the Matt holidays of the world to then, you know, usher them, uh, to, to hopefully, you know, do move a little quicker, which did happen, you know, our expectations were not playoffs or expectations were not, uh, you know, world series or bust in 17 by any means, but damn, did that change as they, as we saw what the product became and, and how they started, you know, evolving much quicker. Um, so yeah, it was well, yeah, a because the feeling. moves, the moves that they made were none of like, is not that exciting of an off season that they made. They, like I said, they were, tr they traded for Albert Abreu and Jorge Guzman for Brian McCann to Houston, which was also kind of just like a salary dump. They traded for Zach Littell, um, for James Pazos to the, to the Mariners. And then Littell was traded. I totally forgot. Jamie Jaime Garcia, Garcia. Yeah. Jaime Garcia was, was a Yankee. In in the middle of the 17th season, but they traded Littell, who's now like pretty good years later, um, to to Minnesota. They signed Holiday, like you said, one year, $13 million. Isn't it just Little? I thought it was Littell. I don't know. Chapman was the big one. That was a bit of a surprise because they had just traded him away and they still had Batances and Miller in the bullpen. But that became and BMC. That became them saying, okay, we have this young nucleus. Let's completely lock down the, the, the back half of the bullpen because now we're going to shorten the game. We're going to shorten the game and we're, we're you know hopefully going to continue to see progress from our young guys, but have a lockdown bullpen. And unfortunately, they stayed with that for too long and, and stopped developing and stopped bringing in uh, you know, opportunities to, to fix what was, you know, slowly going wrong with, with, uh, with their offensive players. They, they made bad decisions. 
um, and really, I think, doubled down too much on the... It was a reactive move, for sure, based on what we saw in Kansas City, I think. It was a, one of those trends where Kansas City, the Royals built that monster bullpen, and then Cashman copied it. Straight up, he copied it. And they didn't have the the gelling of of the offense that they needed to... to and, and the offensive... Or, I'm sorry, the, the pitching to get to that bullpen for it to work. Yeah, and we, we just totally missed something. So, Andrew Miller was traded already. Uh, so, they... they Andrew Miller was traded to to uh, oh in sixteen yeah yeah why did I put so, uh, Chapman <clears throat> we we signed. forgot so yeah so because he was uh, Miller, traded and then resigned Chapman was traded and then resigned Miller was traded but he had more control than Chapman so the the uh, Cleveland kept him that that following year Miller yes. was still under contract with Cleveland so the Yankees really only had Dellen Batances in the bullpen so they did sign Chapman to come back. So that was the double closer. down. That was the double down, though, trying it to get was, that, that BMC but, back is what it was. Because the BMC yeah. didn't it, – it worked to a point. Like they had it, a dominant it, bullpen, there's no doubt, just, but it didn't take them to the where they needed to be. Because they didn't have the rest of the team. But right. but when they signed back Chapman, we were all like, great, but it's probably for, like we said, 2018. Circling, like the, circling the 2018 calendar as we're going to need a lockdown closer for two years from now, not this year. Obviously, it ended up being that they needed him for 17 season as well. Um, they signed Chris Carter <laughs> to, huge, uh, to huge a one-year deal history. coming off of a so National even, League home run He signed camp. it with his eyes closed. And uh, Avaldi was DFA'd. Yeah. And then signed with Tampa for a two-year deal. It was because he was injured. And they didn't feel yeah, like dealing with surgery. the rehab, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he had surgery. He was going to be out and, the following year, and then Tampa signed him to a two-year deal, was it? They were really just like giving him a two-year deal for one his, year. Was Tampa his first st- stop and then Boston? Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah, for sure. And then so the uh, Yankees won 91 games that year. They were better than anyone expected. They had an awesome postseason run, lost, lost in the ALCS. And then the Yankees have not missed the playoffs since until this year. So in you know, as we've talked through each of these seasons and how the Yankees reacted, it's mostly been aggressive, I, I think, with the exception of the most the 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 sixteen seventeen season that wasn't aggressive that was more still medium term looking you can't be medium term looking with this team you need to be aggressive because the window is not five years the window is short it's it's closing and so you have to be aggressive this winter Seems well like and also they didn't they didn't do what they needed to do in 18 either after 17 happened. At the the for me the biggest yeah. problem with the way that the Yankees handled uh that 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 time when they missed the playoffs it had nothing to do with 17 like it worked. It they were they were aggressive in the sense that they went out and and got Chapman back, signed him. They have a closer now that like that was done in their minds. And then they started adding pieces around it, but they they were looking at their young guys to do this. And then development stopped with them and they and you know, they they didn't add the pieces around those players that they needed to, and then just leaned on, you know, the the hope that all of these young guys were going to completely work out, and they started declining. And if you don't think that that you know that has to do with uh, the way that the game was managed, the way that the players developed underneath the skipper of the team, then fine. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you don't believe that 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 much power and that much responsibility and that much effectiveness, you know, goes down to the team for the skipper, but. I, there was a culture change. There was no doubt a culture change from 17 to 18 when Boone came in and Girardi went out. And I think it was very bad for this team, for this young team. I think the the Girardi type of managing would have, I think we would would have seen different results. I'm not saying injuries wouldn't have happened, but I think we would have had different results. What Looking back, 
Gary Sanchez needed that structure. He needed that discipline, I think, for him to to capture the type of player that he wanted to be. And, you know, best friend, uh, dad, Aaron Boone, who's just trying to be the cool guy, it didn't work. And whether well, you like directly you said, think but, that that's, they that, that's, that's that, you know, those, those two are, are, uh, are correlated, that's for you to think. But I believe that that is a part of the, the puzzle that went wrong. You said the culture change. That's definitely a factor, but also how they <laughs> acted the um, the off season after yeah, the seventeen sure. season is they 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 pivoted to Stanton instead of it would have been the next year when they would have got could have signed Harper or Machado. Um, yes, I, yeah, it's it's all it's all and easy Stanton, to second guess. Yeah, it's, it's all easy to say. It's very easy to second guess because it didn't work out. Um, but this, but the easy second guess, the one that like to me, I, I just I don't like looking at, was when you see a young team overachieving and overachieving deep into the playoffs, and then you get rid of the person in charge of that team. It doesn't make any sense to me. And the fact that the Yankees at that point, and I understand we had our problems with Girardi too, and you know maybe that at that point we're like, okay, this you know now we got all the guys, let's bring in the the right person to capture it all. Looking back, it was the wrong move. They needed the the. The, the baseball guy in the building that had been there, done that, developed players in the past. Um, and Well, like we've said a million times, the decision to move on from Joe Girardi at that point was made in August. It which, wasn't which made is after they the, got bounced from the such a in problem. October. It's such yep, a problem just with like, this organization. Just like most likely the decision to keep Aaron Boone was made in August of this year, right. even if they're going to say publicly, no, we were evaluating everything after the season. Yeah. Or based on the fact that they had two more wins and didn't have a losing uh, record. No, on, because on I think back books. all the way back to August, they were already lining up the excuses for why this team did not perform. The injury excuse, the underachievement excuse, all those things. Nothing to do with Aaron Boone. And so he was just there. I mean, he was managing. I mean, frankly, he was managing crap by by August. Like the team was so terrible. No manager could have. Casey Stengel, Joe, Joe Torrey, Joe Girardi, whoever you want as manager, no one was going to win with that team. Yeah. So I know we did our GM plans, but prediction wise, and you know, seeing all of the the underlying rumors and and uh, and, and and people talking in in alleys, do you believe that they are going to go after? Because to me, the Yam- Yamamoto thing does feel real. It feels like there's. Yeah, there is momentum in in that. It feels like a Cashman move because um, it's easy, also. But if they do that, the 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 thing that we were talking about, the storyline that we were talking about as we started the show, that that can't be the only move. You need to go out and make an offensive move. Also, feels very real. So if they to are to do offense, that, like, you need to make three position player moves. But if you do, that, if they, that's if they the sign reason, the pitcher. Like I do believe they're going to go get a big bat. I hundred percent believe that one big bat doesn't. F- like I like At I least, even but said you can't my GM you can't plans. go into it you can't go into it signing the pitcher and then not address the offense. Uh, of course not. They'll get murdered. My f- my fear is that they're going to say we're going to spend two hundred and thirty million dollars on Yamamoto. So now let's go try and plug some holes with some position players. They'll and get murdered. Be left. What we're going to be left with is a pretty good rotation next year and a bunch of losses four to two. Yeah, it's the same. Go back to what was it fifteen when. Tanaka lost the wild card. You can't score in the playoffs. That's that's the problem with this this team. It's been the problem with this team since. And even if they sign Yamamoto and then they make some moves on the position player front and then they get the one big bat, say it's Cody Bellinger, that's not enough to fix this offense. Oh, that's you need too. multiple he will big be here bats. for six years, seven years. You need multiple big bats, multiple good hitters, good 
all-star level hitters to fix this offense. Yeah. And not not all or nothing guys either. You need balanced balanced and my offensive fear players. is that you spend 230 million dollars on Yamamoto, you're not going to do that. You're not going to have the flexibility. It's going to come back to, well, we don't need to spend $340 million to, to win a World Series. We can do it with this. And if if Brian Cashman truly does have a budget and say it's $300 million and he says, I'm going to go sign Yamamoto and then try and plug holes with position players, he's never been able to do that. He's never been able to get a all-star level offense with below all star you no one can do it you need talent you need to sign talent at the end of the day you need talent on your roster they don't have it and there's too many question marks with said talent that is there yes you could make a best case scenario with the guys that are here but that best case scenario has a very low percentage of actually right what are the chances that Giancarlo Stanton plays 140 games and hits 35 home runs five percent in in the mind of the of the brass of the New York Yankees it should be zero percent in their I agree zero percent Go in out my and opinion, fix the problem as if he's not here. In my opinion, the likelihood that Stanton rebounds into a, a great hitter, LeMahieu is healthy all season and a great hitter, Rizzo rebounds healthy well, all speaking season. Of, speaking of, before we end the show, Rizzo, I, I was scrolling Twitter and saw um, a, a Twitter profile that had a video. I don't know where they originally got the video, but there wasn't much action on it. So I retweeted the video because I saw – Rizzo in a cage, and then I looked at the guy who's working with him. Like, wait a minute, that's Judge. That's that's hitter man. That's Judge's hitting coach that fixed his swing in 17, 16, 17. I'm like, that's really interesting. Uh, now we got Rizzo. We should have put that on the list of offseason moves. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's an influence there. Obviously, there's a big trust. There's still a trust with Aaron Judge and um, uh, and 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 the coach. Like, there's still a relationship. There's still a coach. Who's who's Judge's best friend on the team? Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo now working with the same guy that helped him. So you could, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, that, that is an interesting scenario and why it's happening. Before, um, before Rizzo had the head injury, he was having an all-star season. He was having a fantastic yes, year. Yes, he was. He absolutely um, was. But I'm wondering now, what, you know, looking at that these these adjustments. One of the biggest adjustment that that um, that Aaron Judge made was keeping that bat uh, on plane and in the zone longer so that he had the ability to make more contact with balls, whether he was late or he was early, he was still making contact. And I wonder how much of this now, uh, you know, maybe tweaking in the way that, uh, that Rizzo is approaching the plate is, Hey, maybe I'm not getting back that speed. Maybe I'm not getting back that quickness that I once had or the reaction. So I need to, I need to prepare myself and prepare my swing so that I'm longer in the zone so that it's not as much of a factor on the production side. That's a direct correlation to me to what we saw with his with his uh, you know head injury, and you know I don't maybe that's just him being proactive and, and saying I if it isn't there like this will help me stay in the zone longer on plane longer to to make impact on the ball uh, more often, but nonetheless very interesting. So last thing I want to say, and I think this kind of illustrates the point that we're both making. In a best case dream world scenario where Stanton is a good player next year, Rizzo is a good player next year, DJ is a good player next year, the Yankees would still need a starting center fielder and a starting left fielder. Yeah. And the chances of all three of those guys doing that is what? Less than 5%, you would say? All three of them together doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And again, go into it with a 0% because the Stanton to me is not happening. Which is why the Yankees if he does, need... Oh, amazing. If he does, amazing. Like he, he, right. It's he, a lottery. He transcended ticket. what everybody thought. Then cool. Then 
you know, give him his flowers for working his ass off and figuring it out. Uh, and hopefully he can sustain it. But again, you cannot, you cannot um, expect that to happen or rely on it to happen and, and base your moves for this upcoming season around anything having to do with John Carlos in, in a productive role on this team. Right. Which is why you need minimum three very good starting position players in order to make this team competitive next year. And one of them better have some flexibility in the where they can play. Right. So Yamamoto is great. I I can't wait for him to don number 18 and the pinstripes and hopefully be a, a a one a behind Garrett Cole. But if they don't get some position players, he's going to lose a bunch of games three to one and that ain't going to be fun. Yep. All right. We will. uh, Yeah. Logan, you got something? Yeah, just I think it's funny quick. So I found an article on BronxPinstripes.com nice. 10 years ago Okay. Um, titled, I do not understand what the Yankees are doing <laughs> by Andrew me? Rotondi. <laughs> yes. Um, talking about when Cano signed with the Mariners um, and talking about how the Yankees are going to be rebuilding, but they shouldn't be because they make all their money in the playoffs. And then you said, so they so this leads me to two conclusions. You were pretty right. The Yankees think they can make the postseason without Robinson Cano. Well, this is probably true. I don't think anyone would argue the Yankees are a better team without Cano. If their goal is to win championships, Cano can Cano helps them achieve this goal, no matter what his contract terms are. But if the Yankees are more concerned with turning a profit, letting Cano walk is, was the right move. And then you said, the Yankees place more value in Jacoby Ellsbury than they do in Robinson Cano. This is just preposterous. Cano has missed 14 games since 2007, and Ellsbury has missed 290 games since 2008. So you called that one. Yeah. Injury guys. Andrew's a big injury guy. We should, we should revisit. And I've been cons- I've been consistent about that point. I didn't even know I wrote that. I don't remember <laughs> having I have no recollection of that 10 years ago. Might have been a hundred years ago. But I've been consistent. <laughs> Clearly. Oh no. I hate to say this. Cody Bellinger it. feels a little like the Ellsbury signing. That's mm. just my gut. No, okay. So I uh, thank you my for gut. bringing it feels did, a did little I, like that. Did I, did I so thank you for bringing this up? Simon Brundish uh tweeted yeah, me. Yeah, and I completely shit on it immediately when with the response that I gave you in there. How many games did he play last year? Last year. Tell me. How many games did he miss? I, I don't remember. He played He's like 115% of games in his career. He missed 30 games last year. Okay. What have you done for me lately? On the season that he had the rebound, he missed 30 games. Whether, but he was, he was also out for a month, and then you know whether that was were days off or you know whether those were. Uh, I'm know, not sitting here telling management. you Cody Bellinger is the safest of all signings. If you sign Cody Bellinger to be the starting center fielder and he's missing 30 games, that's a problem. If he's hitting like he did in the other games and on the field the rest of the time, it's not as big of a problem as they have with nothing in center field. It's a lot of games to miss if you're getting a contract to come in to be the everyday center fielder. That's an everyday center fielder. I'm not I saying agree with you. you that, this that's is not, a, if this you is miss some a bullshit month, if you're coming in to, to be the every other day center fielder or the uh, two out of three day center fielder. No, you need to be signed for the everyday center field job. You need we need dependent 30 up the games middle, is too up many. Up the middle. Good baseball teams are built up the middle. You 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 need you need a solid battery and you need a strong center fielder and you need strong uh middle infielders. Defensively, that's how baseball teams should Great. be. Great. Well, built. they have none of that right now. Well, when you're missing 30 games and you're putting some other guy out there or five other guys out there, or you have to move over now Aaron Judge into center field more often and then increase his, uh, you know, risk factor of getting injured. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not what it should be. It's not what you want. You need an everyday well, they guy. Have, and his right now, they don't have me. a center fielder. I understand. All right. 
Go get Lee. Yes, I think a good, uh, a fun exercise for this offseason. Let's just revisit some old articles that that we wrote. I know you don't think I don't think you wrote any articles, but I didn't write a lot. I would like to revisit some articles I wrote because that one, I think I nailed it. It's pretty good. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.